introduce myself. I'm Richard. I'm the pastor here. And um, uh, it was, I can't remember how long ago, but Mark phoned me up and said, um, is it all right if we come over on, uh, on the 10th? Uh, and so, yeah, fine. It's great. And we got chatting a little bit. And then I said, you do realize I'm starting a series in the book of Ecclesiastes. And there was a slight hesitation on the phone <laughs> when um, I revealed this. Um, Who's, who knows the book of Ecclesiastes? Has anyone ever read it? <laughs> you, yeah, you've read it. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, this is one of my favorite books of the Bible. And, um, and so we're going to have a look at it today um, uh, and just do a few weeks just looking in some of it. Uh, when, we, when I was on sabbatical, I was, um, we stayed with our good friends uh, in the Philippines. And, and Joe, who's known me a long time, um, she said, just as I remember we were washing up, it was just, I don't know why she said it, but she said, um, is Ecclesiastes still one of your favorite books in the Bible? And I said, yeah. And funny enough, I've just started reading it again, and um, I might even preach on it. She's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, and I'll, we'll come on to why that's maybe, if you don't haven't read it, we'll come on to why in, in a second. But um, I'll give you a bit of background before we look into it. So if you want to find Ecclesiastes, it's about there in the Bible. It's about halfway through. Okay, it's after the Psalms, after the Proverbs, before the Song of Songs. Um, most people agree that it was written by King Solomon, who also wrote the Proverbs and the Song of Songs. It's part of what we call the wisdom literature in the Bible. And King Solomon, if it is King Solomon, there's a little bit of debate whether he wrote it, but we'll, we'll go with that. It's just easier if we say that. It's life simpler. Um, I, I heard someone speaking, in my, again in my spastical, and he said, I'd like to tell you, I'd like to believe this about, um, uh, the, you know, this theological point. And he said, and you want to know my reason for it? Because I want to, I want to believe it's true. And it was basically, you know, that's just easier that way. Um, so about a thousand years ago, uh, sorry, a thousand years before Jesus, this was written. Um, so about 3,000 years ago. Um, and King Solomon, if you don't know anything about him, he had uh, great wealth, um, land, kingdom, he asked God for wisdom. He's counted as the wisest man in the Bible, maybe apart from Jesus, because, of course, Jesus is the, the Sunday school answer for everything, right? And um, he built the temple. He built a house. Um, and, yeah, he, um, <laughs> he, uh, uh, he, was, he was pretty up there. And, uh, but at the same time, towards the end of his life, particularly, he got a little bit distracted, uh, particularly with the ladies, and things started to go a bit pear-shaped, and things started to disintegrate in Israel, and it was the beginning, really, of the beginning of the end of Israel, if, if you like. Um, and and some of the key words, and this is where it gets interesting. Some of the key words you'll find if you read through Ecclesiastes are these words: meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless, and it says vanity of vanities, all is vanity, and chasing after the wind. So, it's not the usual kind of gospel, hope-filled book you might expect to fill in the Bible, but I believe it's not pessimistic, because some people think, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty pessimistic, but I, I do think it's realistic. And I do think, actually, you may disagree with me, but hear me out on this, I think it's one of the easier books in the Bible to read, because it doesn't take great faith. And what I mean by that is, we don't have to grapple with the idea of a couple of people in their sort of about 100 years old having a child 
We don't have to grapple with the idea of a burning bush or a parting sea or a boy slaying a giant, you know, or a man surviving being put in a lion's den. We don't have to grapple with the idea of somebody coming along and healing the blind or lepers. We don't have to grapple with somebody walking on water. We don't have to think about somebody stilling a storm or raising the dead or feeding the 5,000, which are all good things, but they take faith to believe, right? You know, all of that stuff's pretty wacky, but it's kind of God working, and it takes a bit of faith to think, oh, okay, I'm reading this and I'm believing it. But Ecclesiastes is a book that is just so real, and there's such a real reflection of the world we live in, that actually I don't think it takes an awful lot of faith to, to accept. It's a truthful telling of the world we live in. It's not hard to believe, but it does take a lot of courage to read it. And, and, and come face to face with it. Um, so anyway, so the next few weeks we're going to read through some of these things, so um, you're, you're spared of that, if you're all saints. Um, I think it's good for us. Um, one of the do- things we do believe here is that you know, reading through the Bible and not ducking the, the difficult bits particularly, but just reading through the scriptures and allowing them to speak to us is important. You know, so John 3.16 is good, but so is Ecclesiastes. So that's what we're, we're, we're going with this. And, and I've actually, um, um, oh, I don't know what I was going to do up to the music. I forgot to do that. Never mind. Um, I've, I've titled all the, um, all, all these, these, uh, messages that are coming up. We have in the moment, community confinement, dead end joy, speculate to accumulate. But today's message is titled, and I had the music queued up, but I'm going to have to sing it for you. See if you can know the song. Oh, good. I'm the... Yeah, that's it, yeah. Should we keep... I can't, if, if you're not into sort of rock from the 60s, I guess, Keith's going, what are they doing? The title of the song is I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Is it the Rolling Stones? There we, I'm, a, I'm a classically trained, trained musician. I don't understand these things, but I, I'm told that they sang this song a while back. Um, so I can't get no satisfaction. I'm going to read to you the first bit of Ecclesiastes, and I think you'll get the idea. Uh, it, this starts off, The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, they return again. All things are wearisome. More than one can say, The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. We've been doing a a bit of this, um, we homeschool Ella, we talked about a few of these things, we've been talking about water recently, but I love verse 7, it says, All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. Hmm. Verse 8 says, The eye has never enough of seeing, or the ear its fill of hearing. Our eyes and our ears are never satisfied, are they? The more we look, the more we want. But we're in a generation now with screens. It's very true of screens, isn't it? They, 
they play on our senses and there's this bright, illuminated, better than real life thing on the screen and we kind of, ooh, and we want more. And we, I was just talking, we have, there's a very cool phone case over here if you want to see it. But actually the good thing about this phone case is it actually does divert our eye away from the screen. But now my eye is now distracted with that phone case. But anyway, our eyes see, but we have a never have enough. I think I want one of those, but without the pink, maybe. Um, <laughs> They lure us in, don't they, these things, and they captivate our attention. We want bigger, we want better, we, or maybe our ears hear a bit of gossip and think, oh, I'd like to know a little bit more about that. Yeah? Or our eyes see a plate of cakes, and we want to know whether there's enough, or three each, maybe. You know, and, you know, our eyes and areas, they're never satisfied. Our senses, they're like the open door for a perceived need for more and more and more. We're never satisfied. We don't find no satisfaction. They just keep enticing us. We want more. I'm wondering, actually, if you ever go into Tesco's, I, I, I don't do this as a habit, um, but if you go down the ice cream aisle, just, you know, do you do that thing where you kind of get the stuff you need and then you think, oh, just, just wander back to the till down the ice cream aisle? <laughs> I don't know if anybody else does that, but, you know, um, I mean, there's lots of there's lots of ways to the tills, aren't there? But there is the ice cream aisle. I could give you the number, and and you think to yourself, oh, there's an offer on and Hagen Dazs, and you think to yourself, no, I've had enough Hagen Dazs in my life. I'll just move on. Does anyone think like that? No. We tend to think, oh, my eyes have seen. I can get two for one, or at least fifty p off. Or, and then you have to work, and you, even if you do the maths and you think they're only giving me 26p off this or whatever, mm, this is a deal. I can't get them satisfied. But you, you just keep doing it, don't you? Well, I do anyway. Our eyes have never seen enough. It's, it goes right back to the beginning. If you think about what happened to Eve when the woman saw the fruit on the tree and she saw it was good for food and pleasing to the eye, she was sucked in. She took it and she ate it. I can't get no satisfaction. And then it carries on in verse 9. It says, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Verse 6 says, the wind blows round and round and everything returns. Have you seen the film Groundhog Day? Yes, it's a, quite old now, isn't it? Um, but the, if you haven't seen it, it's this um, Groundhog Day. is this strange um, real thing that happens in America where if the groundhog appears at a certain time then spring is coming or something to do with a shadow or something. Anyway, but this man somehow gets caught in a loop where every day is groundhog day. So they go through this strange thing every day. And, um, you know, life can be a bit like that, can't it? Does anyone get that feeling? The Monday morning you think, oh, it's Monday. Again. And I will be doing the things on Monday that I did last week. And the week before. And the week before. And actually, next week, I have looked look forward to Monday, which was the same as this Monday. You know, do you ever get that feeling? Or even every year, you get that sort of sensation. Okay, yeah, it's the winter again. And the winter will be the same as the winter. Well, Ecclesiastes agrees with you. It's real. It's agreeing with you. And it says of all these things, it's meaningless, it's grasping at the wind, I can't get no satisfaction. You know, Solomon, who wrote this, he knew what he was talking about. Of all the people in the world, he was best placed to talk about these things because he had wisdom, he had wealth, he had achievements, um, he had possessions, 
And he had all of those things, yet he said, it's all meaningless. All good things in themselves. But I think what he's getting at is when the things of this world, whether it be ice cream, music, or whatever it is, when they become the ultimate thing in our lives, that's where we become unstuck. When we try to look for meaning in haagen sorry, I'm not having to go at haagen um, or when we try to find meaning in any one thing or anything, we will find that actually life becomes meaningless. When these uh, things in the world become our ultimate longings or our desires or our hopes, when we try and find hope or salvation in these things, then we find that it is meaningless. It's vanity. It's grasping at the wind. It's like uh, an unending journey down a dead end. That's, that's my definition of meaningless in this context. Just continuing down the, uh, uh, on a journey down a road that you know is a dead end. I'm a cyclist. One of the things I enjoy doing, actually, I don't necessarily get meaning in life out of it, but I do enjoy cycling. And um, for some reason, my wife does not understand this, but I enjoy cycling up hills, steep hills, in fact. Just get a sense of achievement at the end. And even better, you can go really fast down the other side. And sometimes you will find in the Surrey Hills, it says road closed. Now, being a cyclist, you think, nah, it doesn't mean that. What it means, road closed to cars. I'm only this wide. I can get past the obstacle. So you carry on riding up the hill. You get to the top. You enjoy your descent down. It still says road closed. Warning, caution, road closed. Road closed, road closed. Be all right. If you know white down lane, anyone know white down lane? No cyclists here. Right, okay, it's very steep. Coming down Critton Lane for about six months last year, Critton Lane was closed. And I found out once that it really was closed. And you get to the bottom, and you think to yourself, oh, I enjoy climbing hills, but now I don't enjoy climbing hills because I've got to get back up this one. I thought I was on my way home. And it's like I was on a journey. An endless, well, not quite endless, but a meaningless journey to a dead end. And then I had to turn around and cycle back up. And it was, it was hard work. And that's what Ecclesiastes is saying. A lot of these things are like this. And so Solomon goes into details about some of the things that we find meaning in life and that we don't actually get satisfaction from. In, in chapter 1, if, if you've probably got these headings in your Bible here, it makes it a bit easier, but from verse 12 onwards in chapter 1 and verse 12 in chapter 2, he talks about wisdom, gaining wisdom to find meaning and satisfaction. I think it's pretty true today, isn't it? There are people out there, um, especially atheist scientists, it seems, who seem to think that if we gain enough knowledge, if we gain enough understanding, we will eventually know everything, and everything will make sense and we will find the answer. Whatever the answer is. Well, they would say, if you keep going and if you keep finding enough knowledge, you will get the answer. Now, Solomon was a wise man in his time, and his take on this is that wisdom leads to much sorrow and grief. Kind of almost like the more you know, the more you don't want to know. <laughs> you know? Uh, and it's chasing after the wind. It's a journey down an unending dead end. I mean, he does, he's not saying that wisdom's a bad thing. He says, wisdom is better than folly. In, ver, in chapter 2, verse 13, it says, wisdom is better than folly. He's not anti-knowledge. Okay? He's not saying be deliberately stupid. But he says it's not an ultimate thing. Because he says, 
You can be as wise as you like, but you will still die, just like the fool. And you can't stop that. It's not an ultimate thing. It doesn't prevent that. It's meaningless in that sense. He also says work. In, in chapter 2, verse 17, he goes on about work, and he's you know trying to find meaning and satisfaction in work. And that's true today, isn't it? How many people do you know that for them, their whole existence is wrapped around what they do? In fact, that's often the thing that we say to people when we meet people. We say, oh, what do you do? As if that defines them. And, you know, people think about their career, achievement, status, money. Work brings these things and brings meaning to our life, we seem. But Solomon says, no, it's meaningless. His reason for this, I love this, he says, why, um, you'll find this in chapter 2, he says, work is meaningless because the thing I, things I gained by my hard work must be left for someone else. And they may be a fool. I love the honesty, you know. <laughs> you know. I might pass on my inheritance to a right fool. Some of my children are present. One of my children. Be wise, my child. And he says, what do you get from work? From your toil, from your anxious striving? He says, you get pain, you get grief, and minds that do not rest at night. And everyone experienced that. It's real, isn't it? Meaningless, he says. And then he goes on, this is my favourite bit, in chapter 2, he goes through a whole load of what he describes as pleasures. And Solomon says in verse, verse 10 of chapter 2, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Now this was written 3,000 years ago, thereabouts, but it seems to be a summary statement of the spirit of the age we live in. Except rather than this being a privileged king that, you know, saying this like it is in the book, this is the consumerist statement of the whole society we live in. I want it, so I'll have it. I don't have enough money for it, I'll still get it. I need it, so I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. I thought of it, so I will attain it. Consumption without any question. And here's the ancient conclusion. It's meaningless. You get the idea? If there's every, any evidence, look around the world. Uh, today, I, I, I do find a lot of dissatisfied people. You can look at it completely from a political level, you can look at it from a just an individual level. You can look at it from a band singing about it in the 60s level, but whatever it is, I can't get no satisfaction. And Ecclesiastes, he goes on in Ecclesiastes to list some of these things that, that Solomon tried to find satisfaction, but didn't. And it sounds actually very contemporary. If you look in verse 2 of chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 says, I tried laughter. Comedy is an easy fix. I don't know about you, but if I've had a long day and Louise says, do you want to watch something on the TV? And then Louise likes watching things like sort of these gritty documentaries about sort of, you know, I don't know, kind of stuff. And you think to yourself, I've just been dealing with that all day. I don't want to be dealing with this now. So I just stick on a bit of Would I Lie to You or, a, you know, QI or something funny. That just, you know, helps me. So Solomon says, laughter. I've tried laughter, but actually it didn't bring any meaning to my life. He says, I tried wine, food and drink. I don't know where wound came from, but it was just a combination of food and wine. Um, wine. He says, I tried that. I mean, that's a big thing nowadays, isn't it? Food and drink. People comfort themselves with all kinds of things, whether it's wine or cider or gin or chocolate or ice cream <clears throat> or cake or biscuits or whatever your thing is. 
Somebody came into food bank and said, oh, I don't like sweet stuff. Uh, sandwiches, that's, uh, that's the thing I just crave for. Okay, sandwiches, all right. I think I prefer my screen, but there you go. Each their own. Wine, he tries. In verse 4, he says, I tried building houses and planting gardens. We, we do that nowadays, don't we? We've got ideal homes and better than Joneses. DIY, making the perfect house. Who's got the perfect house here? Anyone? Okay. Well, maybe it's perfect till the boiler breaks or the fence blows down. And you know, you realize that as you try and strive for the perfect house, that it's meaningless in the sense because we'll never get there because whenever you patched up one leak, another you know, leak springs somewhere, isn't it? That's how that works. He says, I, in verse 7, he said, I, I tried male and, I've got male and female servants. Effectively, labor-saving devices, I think you'd call that in the modern day, because we don't tend to have male and female servants. Well, I don't know what we do in Adelson, whether it's like in Newhall, it may be different. Um, <laughs> um, but we try and find ways of making things easier for ourselves, don't we? More gadgets and devices, automization. And he thought that was meaningless as well, he came to that conclusion. He says, I have more herds and flocks than anyone else. An accumulation of things. Anyone you know? likes accumulating stuff, yeah? He says, I amassed silver and gold for myself, accumulating wealth. Anyone, you know, sort of striving for that? We're playing a, a massive game of Monopoly at the moment at home. We started it last weekend. It's been going every night this week. And I have now got five hotels and about four grand in the bank, in, in my, in, in fact, Abigail said to me, I think you've got more money than the bank, she said to me this morning. Do you know what? It's getting so boring because they're still in the game, the rest of them, but I'm just like, oh, another £200 fine. This is boring. Actually, when you've got that much money, I've, decided, I've discovered. Yeah? Meaningless. He says, uh, what else has he got here? Male and female singers. I'd quite like to try that, actually. Just have, but music. Sometimes people just get so into music, don't they? Music. I know a lot of musicians, and for them, music is this kind of... The, meaning in life, but actually when it comes to it, it yeah. and the last thing, he, he has a harem he says, even my harem which is a very modern thing, isn't it? We can be very obsessed with that kind of stuff in this age, he says it's meaningless and so, I'll read you chapter 2 verse 10 and I'll come to a conclusion you'll hope, hopefully, pleased to know uh, Verse 10 says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and there was reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and all that I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless and chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Well, this is very uplifting. I'm not suggesting, by the way, that I think we give up on these things and that we live this kind of very, very... I don't know, dour existence where we just hold on to, we just sit in a, a bare room you know, drinking water and eating bread crusts. I'm not suggesting we do that. But what I am saying, and I think what Ecclesiastes is saying, is that we don't hold hope in any of these things to bring us ultimate satisfaction, ultimate meaning in life. A lot of these, all of these things actually, our short-term fixes. Yeah, they give us a buzz. I'll tell you what, ice cream tastes good. That's all right. But it doesn't sort my life out. At the end of the day, it is meaningless in the big scheme of things. And nothing, none of these things, will give us um, hope for a future. 
So I'm going to read on. There is actually, believe it or not, a bit of hope in this. I'm going to read you a little bit from chapter 2, verse 24. It says, A person can do nothing better than to eat and to drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. But without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? There's a bit of hope there. What the writer's saying, what Solomon's saying, is that actually just... Enjoy what I've given you today. It's almost, this reminded me of the bit of the Lord's Prayer which says, give us this day our daily bread. Yeah? Where we just go, okay, I, I don't know, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, and I don't care what happened yesterday, but today I just want to enjoy the bread from today, the, the moment, if you like. Just being satisfied in what I've got today, the food and the drink that I've got today, whether it's a lot or it's not much, whether I found a good deal in Tesco's on the ice cream or not, Satisfaction in just saying, yeah, I've got this today and I'm going to enjoy it with God. Not seeking food and work, he mentions here, as, as things to bring identity to me, things that would give me salvation, but just actually to say, these things are from God, I'm just going to enjoy them, and I'm going to say, yeah, this is, this is, this is all right. Not striving for more, but just in the simple thing, saying, God has given me this, and I'm going to enjoy him. Not working to find some meaning or significance, but actually just finding satisfaction in the work that I've been given today. And sometimes, I think we miss God, because we're so worried about thinking that this work will lead me to this place, but actually just saying, well, I'm enjoying doing whatever it is today. It can be a very mundane thing, but actually, God would have us do this today. Eat and drink. You know, eat and drink, here it says, eat and drink and find satisfaction in your toil. Eat and drink speaks to me of just enjoying resting. Just enjoying being. I was talking to some um, ministers earlier in the weekend, and I just asked, when's your day off? And, and the other people who knew him in the room went, <laughs> as if he doesn't have one. And um, he then said, I think the one commandment we are the worst at keeping is keep the Sabbath. That idea of just resting, just being in God's presence and just enjoying the fact that it's him that does the work at the end of the day. And this eat and call to eat and drink is this, it's almost saying just, just be. Just enjoy being, just enjoy resting in my presence. Enjoy the simple pleasures, let it fuel your life. Enjoy the life that you have here and now rather than pursuing a life that you probably will never get. Be it through the pleasures we've described or work or, or wisdom, all these things. And I don't think it's suggesting we don't seek after a better life. It's not a fatalistic, oh, like, oh well, this is where it is and I'm just going to get on with it. It's actually quite the opposite. It's almost saying find satisfaction here and now with where you're at. Whatever God gives you to do or be, Find satisfaction in it. Because it says here, this is from the hand of God. Without him, you will find no enjoyment. You can have all the other stuff you like, but without him, you will not find enjoyment. And even if you have a little thing with him, I think it's saying, you will have satisfaction. Contrary to what the world is they say. The gospel according to them is not such a gospel. God is the only one 
and in him and through whom we can find enjoyment. Not in the pleasures of this world, not through work, not through wisdom, um, but only through Jesus. Without him, we will not have enjoyment. We will always be striving for more. But in him we can just eat and drink and rest and even enjoy the work we do. So whilst Jesus isn't mentioned here specifically, God is, and I think he's pointing us to say that all of these things will not bring satisfaction, but in Christ and with Christ there is meaning and purpose. Here and now, even in the simple things. Let me read again verse 24 and verse 25. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too I see is from the hand of God, for without him who can eat or find enjoyment? Thanks be to God that we are with him and that we can find enjoyment and satisfaction. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that we would know you in the all things of life. Lord, help forgive us where we have strived in striving to find meaning and satisfaction in things that are not you. Forgive us where we have put our hope in things, whether they be pleasures, wealth, stuff, people, wisdom, work, Forgive us where we turn to those things. Show us where we do that every day in, in some way. And, and let us know that it is you that our satisfaction comes from. Let us know that it is you where our enjoyment comes. And in that knowledge, help us to know how to enjoy the simple, yet profound sometimes, the mundane, yet extraordinary things that may be part of our everyday life. That you would bring meaning to every part of our life because we know you in it. Help us to find you and see you in, in the simple things of our lives. Reorder and prioritize the importance we place on you in, in all things. And I thank you that with you there is meaning and there is enjoyment in everything but only through you. And I pray in this world where there is so many people that find dissatisfaction, maybe because they're looking in the wrong place, we pray, come and give us a gospel to bring to those who don't know you, that actually in Jesus there is meaning and there is satisfaction. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.